You have now come to the return of the Dream Canteen on Turntables and Tea. I'm Charlie. And I'm Corey. And uh, we do apologize. This episode was a bit delayed due to some unforeseen circumstances because life happens. But we are back to end the year off with uh, Corey's pick for his album for this year to discuss of 2022. I'm getting old, folks, but we made it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. He gave me the option of old friends or new experiences, and I picked old friends. And so as a result, we are discussing, this is one of your top, top favorites ever, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I do love these boys. I love these boys, and we're going to talk about it a bunch, but I love these four players. If not a lot of people know, we go through iterations of the Chili Peppers where Freshanti's gone and there's someone else in there. But for me, this is my Chili Peppers. So it's always exciting to hear when they're back together in this form. Yes. And that was a pretty big music news story this year was that the Chili Peppers were recording with Freshanti again. Uh, I saw it all over my Facebook and I saw other big fans just very excited that Prashanti was recording with the band again. And I know they did go on a big tour this year too, stadium tour. And it looked like a great time. The concert that I saw a bunch of people had looked like a great time. Yeah, I didn't get to see them this year, but I know a couple cats that went and said it was amazing. They didn't play, from what I understand, they didn't play a lot of old Chili Peppers and it was a... And we'll talk about that more when we hit this album. It was a more laid back kind of show, but they're evolving as artists and as friends. We just, me and Charlie, were just having a, a long talk about friendship and, and the way it changes throughout our lives. And it's really mirrored inside this band because, I mean, I'm not going to do a full breakdown of their history, but for Shanti left due to heroin and very hardcore heroin. I mean, there's videos of back in the day of him in his basement, like skeletal. um, And when he's like recording his own stuff and he's really dunsky. And for friends to see that and have to live through that and and move on without someone like that, I can only imagine. But to see it come back full circle is is something that really rings true to me um, as far as friendships changing through life. So it's it's neat to see these guys back together. Speaking of which, and, and this... This is a, this one blew my mind this week. The universe or the algorithm, if you want to say it, shot one to me. I think it was on. I forget where I saw it. Anyway, it was back. It was Flea talking about him and Chad Smith never really hung out, period. Uh, Chad Smith is the drummer and Flea was like, we've been playing for millions of years, but it was always for me and Smith. It was always come in, relate through jam, relate through rhythm. And then when it was done, we went our separate ways. And it wasn't like that for him and for Shanti and him and Kiedis, they're like hardcore. And I always thought all four of them were, were like really hardcore, you know, inseparable. Uh, but it was weird to see. And, and it was followed by an old MTV, like four minutes of them just jamming. And it was fucking sick nuts. And it, it was it was just mind blowing for him to say that and then look back and just see how they they relate musically and how much I just took for granted that that was that was their thing. You know, it's funny how we're just talking about friendship and, and it comes up inside of this album. I know. And honestly, I think that's nice to hear because a lot of the um, bands that preceded the Chili Peppers, let's just say they have not had as amicable of relationships, including one of the bands we'll be talking about in this episode, actually. (laughs) Because 
Yeah, those guys, let's talk about dysfunction when we get the track number four, that band. Woo. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, Frushanti came back, and this is the second album that they recorded this year. They kind of, from what I understand, recorded two albums at once. Yeah. Of all places in Shangri-La. And then here we go. I have goosebumps just saying that name. Just thinking i don't know if you've seen pictures or if anybody listening has seen pictures but look up pictures of rick rubin's shangri-la this recording oasis is is basically what it is so we're here in shangri-la we're recording two albums we're actually if i'm correct it was 40 tracks that they had said they wanted to do over like seven discs and i guess i think warner brothers has this one but whoever the production house was like nah let's do two because i don't know if that's gonna fly and they ended up doing i guess they got them all on there between the two albums from what i was reading from from the band saying like usually we record a bunch of stuff and it doesn't you know stuff doesn't make the album but they were like we didn't have any b-sides here is what and that was a quote from them um we wanted to put them all out here and we got them on both albums and that that rarely ever happens you know yeah, and uh, when it comes to stuff being left on the cutting room floor, it's just uh, throughout any artist we discuss anywhere here or anywhere, it's just so variable how it can be. Like, it can go either way. Like, it can be, this should have stayed on the cutting room floor, or why the hell was this not included? Why wasn't this used? It can be for any number of reasons it wasn't used that we don't even know about, so... We're kind of seeing the whole creative process here. In fact, uh, the title of the album, Keita said, referred to a well of creative prosperity. So that's their uh, dream canteen. And yeah, this is the, the first album was called Unlimited Love. And this was the second. It was released in October of this year. And uh, so far, it's been pretty well received. A lot of the consensus seems to be this isn't a band. I really only know the absolute biggest hits by this band. Good. I didn't even hear um, Snow Heyo until this year, actually. Good. So uh, that's where I am. But I just wanted to see where the band stood. And it, the consensus seems to be amongst fans that this is the better of the two albums released this year talking to my chili pepperhead friends about this over the past week or so it's definitely in my crew heralded as the funkier album the first album sits a little bit slower yeah i think i think you, you hit that nail on the head the general consensus is this is the better of the two it's tough and and i don't want to drag on about this but there's a lot of as a longtime listener of the chili peppers there's a lot of things that sometimes seem redundant not just because it's their style but sometimes I'm, you know through albums through stadium arcadium through uh californication through through any of those you know through through even the early albums uh there's just this bit where sometimes things end up sounding repeated in their sound and it, it's tough to get outside of so when, when I first sat down listening to this album, I wasn't blown away by it because I felt like there was some repeated stuff in here as far as what we've heard from them. But after really getting down on this album over and over and over again, I can see an evolution inside of it. And I love that because right on the head, I feel like this album is very easy to hit 
a minute and a half into a track and be like, I heard that before and move on. But these tracks, when you really start to break them down, are a serious evolution. This is right after COVID, too. So these guys were sitting for two years. Uh, I think it was Ketis who said, we're all just sitting in for two years and time's turning elastic and we're just writing music, writing music, writing music. So I hope I can um, shed some light on that evolution as we go through, but it's definitely a different kind of listen, especially for someone who had, has been listening to them since the get-go. Good to know, good to know. Because <laughs> yeah, I have to say when it comes to repetitiveness, well, that's kind of a thing that happens throughout the album, I guess you could argue, but. Yeah, yeah it definitely does. And uh, some ideas do feel fresher than others, but uh, we'll, we'll get into that all. But uh, yeah, overall, the critical consensus seems to be it's the, a lot of people seem to prefer this out of the two albums. Um, It doesn't seem to be like the ultimate classic album. They're not putting this on the level of like Blood, Sugar, Sex, Magic, of course, sure. uh, or Mother's Milk. Those seem to be the consensus classics for everybody. Yes. I do think it seems overall this has definitely been their most anticipated work since um, over 15 years ago with Stadium Arcadium. Yeah, and I, I have to say a lot of that for me comes from knowing that for Shanti's on it. The one that they cut before this, I'm, I'm going to be that jerk right now. The other guitar player that was playing with them, for me, the sound was whack. I, I don't know. It just didn't fit. I was never a really big fan of when Navarro was there. Uh, when Dave Navarro was doing his thing over there with them, there were tracks that hit. There were there were tracks, but I never felt like he fit there for me as a pepper, as a purist, as a pepper purist. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was surprised to see this. Both of these hit what number one on top album chart? They got this hit. Album? This hit number three. I saw number three. Okay, heard that. So, yeah, I'm not quite sure what blocked it, but I mean, that's very good for a band over 30 years into their career to have a, that kind of anticipation for a new release definitely says something. Their peers definitely aren't doing that. So, yeah, that's another thing about this one, too, is there's this, if you look at like Aerosmith or if you look at like, oh, man, if you look at longevity acts, okay, yes. they have, in my opinion, a tendency to move and change and reinvent themselves with the times and fit in a little bit of like sounding like popular music. I don't feel like the Chili Peppers ever really fall into that. You know, it's not ever as like, we're going to change our sound to fit in and get on the radio. We're getting Chili Peppers still. It's just like, are we getting... Anything super new, not so much, in my opinion. We're getting we're getting evolution, but not like a new sound from them, which speaks to how much of a hold they have on their listeners and how much of a hold they have on their musicianship, I guess. But it's just it's one of those acts that doesn't really change, you know. Yeah, because Aerosmith definitely changed and has changed, and they haven't even Aerosmith hasn't recorded anything in a decade at this point, so. But, you know, enough of that. Let's actually talk about the album. and Let's do it. Go into the Dream Canteen now. Let's get on in it. So the album opens with a song called Tip of My Tongue. This is a uh, funky opening track. And this, to me, sounds like what I'd expect from this band. This sounds like the band that did give it away in the early 90s. Right on track. I mean, it has that 
funky straight out the gate chili pepper sound this is flea and Frashanti together i immediately was like all right let's go let's fucking go it feels natural for the chili peppers and it flows I, i'm right with you there yeah, and even Chad Smith said, quote, it's got P-Funk in it. I hear George Clinton in it and some Hendrixy kind of licks. Yep. And to that, I said, well, no wonder these funky monks are on the run. I love that. I'm, I do. I'm so glad you said that. Funky monks are on the run. I want to start a gang called the Funky Monks. I know, right? <laughs> That's real. I love it. <laughs> We should do like a theme month about funky monks, maybe. Funky monks. I love I love, I love the funky monks. Yes. I'm glad, I'm glad you, you got on that line. That's a good one. Yeah, said that this was a pretty easy choice for the um first single from the album that was released a couple months beforehand. Uh, and not hard to see why. This definitely sounds like what people would expect from this band. And it's been a success. It became their 15th number one and 27th top 10 hit on the Billboard Alternative Airplay chart. Not hard to see why. I think this song's kind of fresh and familiar at the same time, I would say. Like, it doesn't feel like a stale retread of 1990-whatever, but it does still have that vibe. It doesn't feel like they're reinventing the wheel, but I feel like it's them just doing what they do and i think it's great that they're doing that yeah that's that evolution that i'll keep going back to and i started to talk about earlier that i feel is so prominent in this album and i'll just say for me on first listen was almost lost but one i'm never gonna not listen to the chili peppers album over and over and over again like i've done throughout time but this one it, it, this is part of that evolution you said it the best these, these guys are doing what they do they're not reinventing the wheel and we're hearing a little step up if if you if you get where i'm going there yes yes and i also thought the video was kind of cool too i didn't see the video for this one what oh. was it it was just kind of like a trippy psychedelic kind of thing that i enjoyed and uh, nice. fit the song very well apparently every song for this album has a video Really? An animated one Heard. based on kind of the cover art, but this one actually had the band in it. So oh. there are two videos that have the band in it, and I did view them both, and they were both cool little pieces. Is this and song about acid? And I didn't even think about it. Tip of my tongue, trippy thing. I, I now got to go back and look. Is there is there a little acid hit here? Uh, that wasn't the vibe I got, but who Heard. knows? Heard. Uh, that was just a thought right there looking at the title. Huh. No I shit. Mean, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the cover's trippy. That was for sure. Oh, Shanti's it definitely wife. is. Yeah, for Shanti's wife is their like, uh, like media manager. And Ooh. she was looking for artists for her own, for her self works and found these guys. I forget their names. But anyway, that, that cover's sick looking. It is, and the alternate one's even cooler, I think, actually. Heard that. That's just me. But anyway, we're going to uh, continue that trippy kind of vibe, I think, with track number two, Peace and Love, which apparently almost made it on to Unlimited Love. Uh, Heard. But it was dropped. And this one actually has a reference to Allison Chain singer Lane Staley, I noticed. Really? Yeah, he says something about Staley in there. Dig it, dig it. Which I looked up there, so I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, but uh, this one also has kind of a nice groove. It's not quite as immediate as Tip of My Tongue, but I think it kind of keeps this going very well. But what I like about this song, I feel like it's a very sarcastic song lyrically. 
was kind of the vibe I got from it. And I just like that tone, I guess. I think it's kind of funny how they did that. I kind of like that vibe. And um, this song I saw was inspired by the breakbeat from the Isaac Hayes song, Breakthrough. Oh, oh, oh. so more of that classic uh, soul funk kind of thing seeping in here. Yeah, man. Definitely. I mean, you got that driving bass line. You know, it's it's a tried and true Chili's Pepper feel on this. I love for Shanti on this because he's not just playing his riffs, but he's playing these like background, just inserted riffs that are like a backup singer. And I really think that's super unique and 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 well done on his part on this song. This one felt a little bit like uh, like COVID contemplations for Kiedis. Uh, you know, I, I find a lot of the older artists when they were sitting in or really doing this contemplative stuff. And it reminded me, I know everybody's going to say, ah, oh, of course it reminded you of Fish, but it reminded me, Trey wrote a song called Everything's Right um, during COVID. It was more of this like introspective on love and like everybody just, she's got peace and love for you. He's got peace and love for you. So it reminded me of that. I, I thought that was a neat thing here. And yeah. it's a good song too. Yeah, our musicians were quite productive during the pandemic, I have to say. Hell yeah, they were. Thank the good Lord for that. Yeah, gave us something. We did get some great music out of it. Thank God for that, because, uh, well, we needed something from all that stuff. <laughs> I got goosebumps right now. We definitely did. Oh, we definitely did. But it's it's nice to see so many people were re-energized, and it's still seeping in. It's still going, and I think that's great. And uh yeah, that re-energization continues um, with the next song, Reach Out, which is definitely the heaviest song here so far. Yeah. This one, I wasn't quite sure what it was about. I had to look it up. And on Reddit, it seemed to think that it was about reaching out to a friend who's relapsed. And I thought, well, that's a good message and one that makes sense coming from this band. I mean, especially with Frashanti being here. Yeah. I wonder if it was really written about that because it's a back and forth relapsing thing throughout their history with him you know uh, yeah. like i said i'm not going to do the the full history of the peppers but i could see that that would be super relatable for them that's and, that's a neat thought and Kedis has had some issues too i True. know <laughs> yeah i play it out like like for shanti is the only one that's had his, his trouble trials and tribulations i mean yeah He's not the only one. Unfortunately, <laughs> this is something that happens to a lot of people, and it's very sad. But uh, the song's not too dour, at least, though. It's not too heavy. It keeps the pace going very well. It's still pretty upbeat. And uh, I do think that Anthony Kiedis, is he singing with, like, the faux Jamaican accent at times? I don't quite get that, because I don't think this is a reggae song at all. <laughs> I laugh because Kiedis is delivery of his lyrics has always been this weird for me at least has been this weird line stepping of like like you said he'll throw a little reggae accent in there he'll throw he's just has this very unique delivery he doesn't really ever catch shit on it other than when like for me when like uh just random listeners here, Chili Peppers. You know, they're always just like, "Oh, Chili Peppers!" But like, yeah, I can feel you. Kiedis does get set in those ways, but 
who knows if he if he's doing a Jamaican accent on here. It, he could be. He could it's be. not the only time I heard this. This isn't even the most obvious example of it, I don't think. But uh yeah, now I think it's more of for me, this song has a really, especially with the classic start to it. Um and it, it's very particular on its harmonies and melodies. I, it feels like a minstrel uh, inspiration in these pieces of the song. But I'm so glad you said it earlier because really for me, it's great in these minstrel verses, but I feel the song really finds itself in the heaviness of it. And, oh, yeah. and that composition, that contrasting composition, I think really works out on this song a lot. I agree. I agree. This is another good one that kind of keeps our flow going very nicely. Yeah. And uh, now we're on the track number four, which uh, is the one I referenced earlier about uh, other classic rock bands uh, um, that preceded the Chili Peppers. This song is called Eddie, and uh, this was inspired by Eddie Van Halen. Flea came up with the idea for this song the day after Eddie Van Halen died, actually. Yeah. And uh, sounds about right. And it's uh, obviously sung from his perspective. Uh, which I think is pretty cool and uh, kind of gives you a bit of an autobiography of Van Halen and like what he was going through, which I think is pretty funny. I mean, this is a band that I'm a, I'm not the biggest fan, but I am familiar with their history and all. Van and Halen. I definitely like some of their stuff and they're an incredibly influential band. So I definitely, I got a real kick out of this song. I just loved some of these lyrics that like, I'm from Amsterdam. Does that make me Dutch? <laughs> and uh, that second verse, especially my favorite, my brother's a keeper. I married a TV wife, <laughs> which Valerie Bertinelli has been referenced quite a bit in 2022 pop culture lately. I, because <laughs> this is the, no, this isn't the first time it's Matthew Perry had a story about her in his memoir that just came out. Okay. And she was referenced in an episode of Welcome to Chippendales on Hulu. Hey, which, Bertinelli. Yeah, she, she has that power over people. <laughs> and, well, she's a pretty woman. What can we say? She is indeed. She is indeed. Yeah. And also, the other one I love, A Little Sombrero, because Teacher was way too hot. <laughs> I, I love mean, it. I love come it. on. Yeah, yeah, you hit it right on the head with them singing this as Eddie, as as it just it's mind blowing. Even them throwing out years like and and it's only 1983. Like, oh man, this is really a neat retrospective, but sung by, you know, sung by the actual person that that it's thrown out to. Such a cool, such a cool way to do that. Yeah, this one was pretty immediately selected as a highlight amongst um, fans and not hard to see why. I really enjoyed this song and it's been the first song that has been played live from this album. It was premiered at their Austin City Limits music festival set and it seemed to go over very well and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this song a lot. I think it's a great tribute to one of the all-time great guitarists, undisputably, Mr. Van Halen. And uh, yeah, I really just don't have much more to say other than that, but I love this song. Yeah, I, you talk about one of the great guitarists of all time. It's so cool to hear Frashanti um, embody him. And we we don't really ever hear Frashanti using the whammy bar like he does here he really does a van halen style where he plays 
like at the three minute when he starts to just go and solo and riff, he really does a uh, a perfect shout out to Eddie in his own way. And, and it's unique to see him do and play like that, especially on a Chili Peppers album. Some of his uh, solo works, they, they're out there and he's all over the board, but it was just neat to see him do an Eddie riff here. Yeah. And yeah, I guess just a fitting tribute because I'm sure this was one of the bands that came before the Chili Peppers and I'm sure had some influence in their, not their primary influence, but I'm sure a little bit. And uh, this is where it shows, I guess. I love it. So, so do I. We go on from that with a, a unique title of a song that I love, track number five, Fake as Fuck. Yeah. So, yeah, great title. Um. Yeah, this is this song is actually not so much funk. It's very ska to me. That's really what I get from this with all those horns. Heard. And Kevis does this in just that breakneck speed on the chorus, the vocal delivery. And I mean, I love it. I think this is a really fun song. And I admittedly kind of like ska. I like those horns. I think they just give a good burst of energy, admittedly. And uh I'm a fan of fake as fuck. I love the title too, admittedly, because it describes some people I know. Heard that. I, I, I'm with you on this one. I mean, funky breaks, you got horns. Um, I like the riff on, or I took it as a riff on fake news when he's talking about spin doctors trying to steer the world with misdirection. I think it's a cool, you know, eye opener to that. Uh, for me, there's this little bit of this, Jethro Tull-esque feeling, especially in the bridge, just the way they they end on these like minor harmonies that are you that are very unique in in listening to the peppers, something that I don't think I've ever heard them really dabble with. And I and I enjoyed that a lot. This song, this song gets me, man. It gets me going. I've I this is one that it's on the list and and I play it a bunch. Um those horns that you're right, they add that levity. It's it's for me, this is like the feel-good like pump-up song so far on this album. Oh, most definitely. And uh yeah, though when I hear spin doctors, I don't think this is what they were referencing, but I can't help but think of another 90s band. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they weren't referencing the spin doctors and and little miss can't be wrong, but they they were referencing, I think, uh, you know, like spin doctors as more of the media trying to to put spin on bullshit and get everybody to believe yeah. and go a certain way but do love me some spin doctors boy we gotta do some spin doctors that'd be fun <laughs> yeah we're we're just two princes waiting to do the spin doctors <laughs> i love it because <laughs> i love it i love it that's a great song i think <laughs> you, ever, you ever seen spin doctors live no they get the fuck down dude i heard somebody once told me this is admittedly not the most honest person but he told me that they were at the fells point fun festival one year and nobody was there for them um i don't know if it was fells i think it might have been artscape but it well, was a huge showing um but i was there for that this individual's not the most honest though <laughs> so i think it was artscape i could be wrong though it could be but I would have seen them. I like those two hats. If I'm not mistaken, Spin Doctors opened for Fish back in the day. Like that one, sounds one about right. An opener. Yeah, they, they, Spin Doctors, man. I used to be in love with them jammers. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'll have to send you the video I saw about their second album, Turn It Upside Down. Heard that. Oh, that was a fun time. Now we're going to move on to somebody who's hopefully not fake as fuck in this story. Bella is her name. Uh, She wants to live in L.A., that was kind of the main thing I got from this song. Uh, I think it's not bad, but not great. This is kind of a uh, filler track for me. Um, definitely a come down from the first five. I feel like it's just a bit repetitive. And really, we got that L.A. Um, soundscape with Eddie, I think, because you don't get more L.A. than Van Halen. And uh, we just really got that. And uh yeah, Bella doesn't sound that interesting of a person to me. I don't know. I'm just not feeling this one that much. Yeah. Um, first listen, my original notes are like real Californication song. Back to talking about an L.A. girl. We've heard Kitas talk about this girl. Not necessarily Bella, but this L.A. girl, this L.A. want to make it stay in L.A. archetype. Um, and I almost wrote this song off immediately at that point. It was neat to find that it was a little bit of a lost love narrative inside, something that we don't necessarily hear him talking about in the past with the L.A. girl uh, archetype. Again, I go back to to him talking about that. But you're right. It's this is where I was talking about earlier, where we get that I've heard this before sound immediately to the casual listener, and it might be a track. I even almost wrote it off and was like, all right, I'm done with this track. Um, You know, it's a palate cleanser. It's a little long and it's repetitive. So the highlight for me on this is Frashante is doing some keyboard accompaniment, which I really liked. But that's really the, the highlight for me on Bella. All right. Glad I'm not the only one who fought that. <laughs> As a. Yeah, but uh, now we're going into the casino with track number seven, Roulette, a gambling metaphor, always fun. Um, Yeah, this one, uh, the highlight for me is really the bass here. I think Flea is killing it on this song. So this is uh, his song in my book. Uh, Again, another kind of filler track for me. It doesn't really add to the album, but it doesn't take away from it either. It's one of those songs that's just kind of there. Yeah. the acoustic sound with the powerful bass line is something that we don't expect from the chili peppers either and the composition for me is really nice but with that different sound i think this runs a little long and takes away from this song actually um it's almost like a double palate cleanser here with bella and roulette and i just i start to find myself falling back from the album on original listen at this point Yeah, I'm right there with you. This is definitely a uh, kind of not quite midpoint low we're at. And unfortunately, I think it continues with the next song, My Cigarette. It's a bit more interesting than those two. Uh, The faux Jamaican accents there again. And um, (laughs) a lot of references stacked on top of each other. And uh, I mean, the most notable thing about this song is the drum loop. Heard which I think is pretty cool. Um, But I don't think there's enough else going on. And uh, Pitchfork did notice a kind of obvious thing. There was no writing credit for this, but yeah, the chorus does sound a little bit like a 2009 hit from Lady Gaga. You might've heard it. It's called Poker Face. 
Oh shit! I, well, I gotta listen to it again, but I didn't. I didn't do. And the... uh, I mean, honestly, obviously, I've talked about being a Gaga fan here. That's not even one of my favorite songs by her, and uh, but still more interesting than this one, I think. Heard. So, yeah, another one I'm not feeling. Unfortunately, I don't really have that much more to say about it. For this one. I love that it's named my cigarette and that it's just a contemplative sit back with your cigarette song. I like, maybe I'm giving too much on this because I won't, I don't even know how to explain it. Long story short, it's a neat contemplative cigarette song. I like the laid back tones. I like the saxophone tones. It has a wild middle piece. This really reminds me of a track back in the day. Um, Oh, Christ. I can't remember what album it's on. It's called uh, P. And it's just a straight bass line by Flea. And they sing about being a P. And it's like a minute and 30 seconds, but it's this weird little break in the middle of the album. And I like that this is that break. This is, um, for me, this is like key just being like, all right, I need a cigarette. Sit back <laughs> and, then, and then be like, all right, I'm going to think about this stuff while I'm smoking my smoke. And then let's get back into it. Um, so I'll give it that, but yeah, it's, it's that, it's that little tiny piece in the middle that I can hope listening to this album gives them the break they need to start picking it back up. Yeah. Well, I have to say on that smoke break, he was thinking pretty deeply. If we're going to go by the next song, <laughs> number nine, afterlife, um, it is more energetic than the past few songs, interestingly, but it's definitely a bit sad and celebratory at the same time, which is a bit of an odd juxtaposition, but I can get with it. There's some really good stuff here. I do love the scat singing. I think that's pretty cool. Bit of spin doctors there, actually, yeah, with the scat go. singing. Um, and the, it's a funky tune. I definitely um, preferred this one to the previous few tracks, and I feel like we're definitely at a better place in the album now. So, uh, I am very happy about that. It is still a bit of a uh, different juxtaposition, but it's one that could grow on me with more lessons, possibly. But overall, good. Very good that we're back to this point. Not quite on the level of those first five for me, but we're in a better place now. Yeah, back to the chili sound was my first uh, note on this one. But my second note was, but at what cost? Because I feel... Like we're starting to hear repeated sounds and ideas again. And I love the composition of the song. I love the choir in the back. I like the hand-picked guitar on the refrains. The scat session, like you said, it's a great bridge. But the rest of the song sort of falls flat where I thought we were picking back up at first. Um, it just, it's not something that threw some new stuff at me. It was just like, ah, okay. All right, Afterlife. It's a good song, but it's it's not a killer. It's not it's not a banger on this one for me. I, I would have to agree with that one. That's yeah, but better than the past few at least. So uh, we're gonna keep it going and get us still out of this slump a bit more with track ten. Shoot me a smile. This seems to be a love song of the album. One of a few. Uh, yeah, to me, I love the bridge on this song. That was definitely my favorite part of it. Yeah, I don't, again, this is another one. I think it's better than Afterlife a bit. I wouldn't call it a killer of the album, but another fine song. I wouldn't say it's a filler, but it's not a killer either. It's Yeah, we're still, 
or I'm hoping as a listener at this point that we're still growing and getting to where we were before Bella. Bella, yeah. Again, you know, where the composition is cool. And and this is one that I say is an evolved pepper sound, but it's still, it's sitting in that limbo of something that we've heard before. For me, the length on this one is perfect because when I start to, as a listener, to fade away from and have to concentrate on it, it ends. Which lets me know that that sound is done, you know? And I think that's smart because a couple of these have gone a little longer than I think they needed to. I completely agree with that. I tried not to talk too much about the length, but that kind of goes without saying. I think, honestly, the whole album goes a little longer than it needs to. It's almost, se- it's like 75 minutes. And I give them the benefit of the doubt that they're having a blast and they're together and they're in Shangri-La. And I put all these things in when I'm I'm, I'm listening and trying to put myself into uh, their place as far as, as these songs go. But I mean... Don't don't hold back on the length. We haven't really talked about it in numbers, but most of these are sitting close to five. Almost all of them are over four. I think this is the shortest track on the album. Um, and it actually worked for me as, as a shorter track. But uh, fortunately, I don't think there's any time wasted on our next song, another love song, Handful. Another one that I think was pretty quickly heralded as a highlight. And for good reason, it's just kind of about yearning for the love of your life but it's got a nice little beat to it a bit of an island vibe it's not a raucous song at all like the first few here but just a very nice mid-tempo I think it's a relatable sentiment too but it's also funny and clever in the way that they can do it I think they make it their own and yeah definitely one of the best here I just love the melody of it and uh I need more of a handful of stuff like this. This was one of my favorites for sure. And uh, definitely the best since the first five by a mile. Definitely my favorite from the second half of the album by far. I'm with you there. Uh, Even with the tempo of this album slowing down again with Handful, I think this one really speaks to the perfect composition. The horns sound great here. I'm glad you said it. I love the backing vocals from Frashanti here. Um, I don't really have to, I go back to where I was on on, uh, Shoot Me a Smile. I don't really have to concentrate hard to listen. And that's huge for me on first listens. You know what I'm saying? Um, So I think they they succeeded there. I really enjoyed this song. Yeah, and I have to say, I'm going to say now, the horns on this album really give me No Doubt vibes a bit. I heard. Which I love, so. Do you know that Flea is a an accomplished trumpet player? I believe it. I didn't and, know that, but I believe it. And I've seen him play trumpet on many occasions. I actually was hoping that he was billed as some of these horns but it seems like all of this was one session with players and I didn't see anything on the notes with him being on there, but they sound great. They really do. And they do, they sound, it's cause I believe it's two trumpets and a saxophone. And that's why I feel like it sounds, has that ska sound with it. Well, you know, yeah. there's harmonized trumpets and then that sax backing it up, but they're, they're beautiful. They're, they bring a real levity to this whole album when they show up. And I, I enjoy that. I completely agree. Yes. So handful. I'm glad we both agreed that one's a winner. Yeah. And now we are on to track number 12, which is actually the second single. There's a full video for this song, The Drummer. 
Uh, obviously, this is a percussion-heavy track, which kind of was implied by the title of the song, uh, which I like that. And uh, it's also kind of a story song, which I was like, there's a nice narrative here, and I just love it. The drummer is leaning without any meaning outside of the club troubadour. I like any reference to the troubadour. A lot of great music happened in that building. And uh, just, again, that real California vibe that this band is kind of known for and was present earlier on the album. I mean, this is a good thing to come from the band that did Californication, Danny California. This makes sense for them. Uh, I have a feeling you feel differently about this song than I know. It's it's not the fact that I feel differently. This one had a real 80s sound right off the, the, the top for me. And it, it was, just, for me, and maybe I'm jumping the gun, but I might as well say it early and then we'll talk about it as far as it goes. This is a very surprising single for me. This is not necessarily a Red Hot Chili Pepper single in my opinion. Like if we put this up again I like I could see b-side tip of my tongue but I like as far as as a straight single I don't know why you don't do fake as fuck or there's a couple here that that being said you see early on in this we get that 80 sound and then we get almost like an inspired early punky chili peppers and then we pulled away from it and then go into this ballad type song and then we return to this dark sound uh, the bridge is like at a minute 50. It gives us the Shanti wailing again. And that sounds great, but I don't feel like there's a complete thought throughout this song. Like it's a lot of cool parts, but for me, it just doesn't set as a full song. Uh, I think the composition is, is a bit cluttered on this one. It's not the worst on the album by far, but for me, I just, I don't, it doesn't sell as a single and it doesn't, it doesn't sell as a full thought for me. I can see where you're coming from with that. There are a lot of cool parts. I don't think it's best on the album by a long shot, but I do see what you're saying about the clutteredness of it as a tune. Yeah. But I guess the parts that I liked, I really did like. So Yeah, no, there's great sound. That's what I'm saying. There's great sounds throughout there, like all the way throughout this composition. I just, it doesn't, it doesn't fully mesh for me. I get what you're saying, and uh, well, for me, that's an accurate description of the next song on the album, Bag of Grins. <laughs> um, yeah, odd title to begin with. Uh, again, great percussion, decent chorus, but I do think this is a come down from the previous four tunes. It does get better as it goes on, but again, it just doesn't feel like the most uh, complete thought. Third. That's where I'm standing on that one. This one, I'm going to read you straight my notes it took a few from me but i dig the sound on this one this one had to take at least four or five listens and there's a few chili pepper songs throughout the history that have done that for me right off it's such a different vibe man it's such a different vibe than what i'm used to i think for me on this one reading and following through with his lyrics the third fourth fifth time i sort of enjoyed his narrative here it was very poetic and i think that's why i i ended up enjoying this song in the long run but right off the bat i was not with it i i totally can see where you're coming from there okay good to know i wasn't the only one then i haven't heard it as many times as you have so 
maybe it could grow on me, but I don't foresee it being when I'm dying to visit again, I guess. Yeah. Just based on what we've got here, but well, it's definitely better than the next song. I will say that. Track number 14, La 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 La, which, (laughs) okay. Right. This is not a song title. This is (laughs) not a hook. Here it's used as a hook. It's an ad lib, not a hook. Yeah. And it's just, it's a lazy hook. I hate to call anything on this show lazy. Clearly effort is put into everything, but this is a lazy hook. And uh, just now, I'm not here for that (laughs) at all. And uh, I mean, this is a tender love song, but... I gotta say, some of these references they make, there's a lot of pop culture references throughout this album, but the ones here are really out of place. I mean, you'll be Chong and I'll be Cheech. (laughs) That's not a romantic partnership. And then also, what's some live like Norman Lear? I mean, what what are you going to do? Are you going to get into political fights with your son-in-law like Archie Bunker? Is that the dream? <laughs> I mean, what, is is your girlfriend the dingbat? I don't know. Like, I just don't... This is... Yeah, if you can't tell, this is my least favorite song on the album. It has some kind of cool musical ideas. It actually did remind me uh, quite a bit of a song from the last album we discussed, Sweet Nothing from Midnight's. The sound <laughs> kind of reminded me of that, and that wasn't my top favorite love song or song on that album, but I kind of appreciate it more now after listening to this. I'm not going to lie because it's like, yeah, that really could have gone wrong. And this is how it could have gone wrong because what the fuck guys, that's all I got to say. This is the one that makes me a little fired up. (laughs) I see. I see this one. You you, you said it, you know, it's a, it's a really beautifully written love song um it's so out there in its piano sax style that i i really didn't know how to take it at first and sorry sorry ketis i love you but sometimes i really don't like when he gets into his singer songwriter vibe like this that being said maybe it's me being an old man maybe it's me being a hopeless romantic i almost teared up when i was reading what he was saying to I, I almost teared up because I put myself as the narrator and I thought about saying these things to to my wife or to my, let's say, girlfriend before I, you know, proposed, you know, as we're going through our our, our love career, our, our, our journey through life. And they, they stuck with me. The che- See, I, I'm on the opposite side of the Cheech and Chong and the Happy Meal for Two references because they just stick they they i can relate and i see where he was and and it teared me up uh i'm with you with the la 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 and it's almost a tongue-in-cheek like (laughs) i I gave a straight la 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 hook and then i named it la 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 like i could have named this beauty beauty of love or some shit like that and did la 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 as the hook and nobody would even fucking notice (laughs) but ketis i feel like in a tongue-in-cheek sort of thing uh named it after this i uh it's definitely not the best song on the album but it's it's 
Nah, the most well, unique song on the album. I don't know. <laughs> they they could have called it Happy Meal for Two. That would have been fucking awesome. <laughs> Though, to be fair, I can't relate to a Happy Meal for Two. If I'm getting McDonald's, I'm finishing that shit. <laughs> oh, now I want McDonald's. Not good. Nah, not good. Not good. Treat yourself. Might for the end up year. ordering it later, but oh. <laughs> I have food at home. I have food at home. Yeah, you don't like it. Oh, oh God. Now I'm craving a quarter pounder. This is go. not good. Okay. Go. All right. <laughs> I'm really thinking about a quarter pounder now. This isn't sponsored, I promise. It's not a sponsored commercial, but you can thank the Red Hot Chili Peppers for that craving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, on the track number 15, Copper Belly. An interesting title named after a snake. Uh, so there's that. Um, this seems to be another song that the fans seem to enjoy. I'm not quite getting it, so I'm going to let you talk about this one because I really found this kind of boring. I really like the musicality of the song. I love the guitar here. We're back in those minstrel vibes again with the guitar and the, and the, temp, the vocal tempo. Uh, for me, and it bounces along the verses on the bass line. Um, <sighs> we're on track 15 of a Red Hot Chili Peppers album. So at this point, it's like, woo, man, where, where are we going? What are we doing? This one stood strong as I, I wasn't like, oh, man, the, here we go again. But it it's not something that maybe be like, holy shit. I do enjoy this song. I, I love the way it's put together. It's just not a groundbreaker for me. Um, but I enjoyed the composition behind it. And what well, maybe admittedly, yeah, I think part of the issue might be the fact that it is track 15 on the album, and this album doesn't need to be that long. Heard. It it just doesn't. There's I mean, I like that they gave a look into the creative process, but some songs should remain unreleased. Not everything's going to hit it out of the park. And uh, I think that's an issue with this song. And uh, again, I've lost interest by the time we get to the next one, Carry Me Home. I think it's, again, some decent ideas in there for sure, but just another filler track. Like, I feel like I'm kind of waiting for it to be over at this point. It's like, this has gone on too long. This doesn't need to be a double album. Yeah, no, I mean, sitting on track 16 and we open up with, for me, what is us listening to a studio jam session right off the cut. And then I think the cool thing about Carry Me Home is this jam, the the jam bridges give these peaks to this very soft valley of Ketis's vocals on this one that, that populate the verse. And I like that. I think the soft outro on this doesn't necessarily work. Um, this one, again, it, it just, it seems like a lot of cool things, but it seems like maybe there should have been a little bit more of editing on this one for me as far as a complete piece goes. Again, we're on track 16. I love the jams. I could see this working as maybe like, a mid or late second set jammer or maybe an early encore, but only because of those those jammy bridge peaks that we get from them, which are, they're beautiful, but uh, again, not a full entire thought yet. 
I completely agree. I am glad we are on the same page there. Yes, sir. And now we've gotten to the end of the album. Yeah. Track 17, In the Snow, which it has to be a callback to one of their biggest hits, right? I thought the Just same based thing on the title. Yeah, I thought that's where they were going. I don't know if it connects, though. Like as far I as don't that. think it does either, but you can't help but think of that. Yeah. This, <sighs> this is a weird ender, man. It, it's, it's very, in my opinion, it's very David Bowie-esque, but it's, it's just this weird ender. It's very slow, and we're back with these 80 vibes. I love hearing Kiedis do like a spoken word, sort of almost like a Prince thing on the end of here, but it doesn't hit like that. Um, and it's long. And it ends on some spoken word. Uh, it's a weird ender. <laughs> That's all I can say. On this. You are not kidding about that. And uh, yeah, I think the spoken word's the most unique thing about this song. Yeah. That's where I give it some credit, but it definitely doesn't hit it like a let's go crazy spoken word kind of thing. That's the first print spoken word I think of. But yeah, yeah I... Again, an odd closer. Um, I mean, it's nice and mellow. It kind of leaves you on that decent vibe, but um, I don't know. Yeah, again, you summed it up best. Just not an album ender. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's where we're at. Uh, this one could have snake. Um, this one could have stayed buried in the snow, and I wouldn't have cried too much. <laughs> And now we are at the end of this Return of the Dream Canteen. I'd like to know, what is your grade for the album? For this one, um, I'm right at a B. It's a very eclectic Chili Peppers album with some top-level musicianship that, for me, only those four can do, and they do it so well when they're together. Um, it suffers a little bit in the complete thought for me, and I, I know I said it a bit, and I hate to beat it, but a bit of repeated sounds keep this album from getting a higher grade. I love the album. Um, and I love hearing those four together again. And that's really why I picked this for this year, because it's just something that I don't get to see often. Um, but yeah, a B for this album for me. Yeah, I'm going to go with B minus. I'm not as big of a fan of this band as you are. You have obviously a lot of nostalgia for them, which is beautiful. And as you should, if it's a band that you really have spent a lot of time with over the years. But I think the biggest issue with the album is it is too long. It does get really repetitive at times. It definitely could have been cut down by a bit. And I just, I don't know. I, I, I didn't hear the one before, this Unlimited Love. But I think it might have been a good idea just to maybe make just one really strong album instead of two separate albums, because I'm sure there's some good stuff there too. And I just think it would have been a smarter idea for that to be the case. That's kind of where I am. We didn't maybe need two albums. I think one killer would have just been more effective. And it's great that they were so prolific and put out so much stuff, but sometimes stuff is left on the cutting room floor for a reason. Yeah. And some of these do sound like, I know they say it's not B-sides, but they sound like B-sides. They sound like outtakes. Yeah. I hate to say that, but no. that's just, yeah, that's how I feel about it. So 
Yeah, I walk away from listening to both these albums as a Chili Pepper fan and say, you know what, guys? Great for you to get out to Shangri-La, to sit with Rick Rubin, to really put out everything that you gave. But I have to say, if this was a double album by an upcoming artist and this is what they put out, it wouldn't have flown. It flies because it's the Chili Peppers and they can do this, you know, and not die on it. It, it, And and not that they're resting on their laurels, but I think more from a fan's perspective or just from my perspective, I'm happy they did it. But there's no way this would have flown as another band's project. You know, I don't think it would have been heralded at all. Uh, No, it's because they're the Chili Peppers and they can still sell out stadiums. And and Frusciante's back, you know? That too. Like there's... A lot of kind of not a lot riding on it though. They can exactly. rest on their laurels. They don't yeah. have to record anything if they don't want to. True. Frankly. Truth. I mean, I'm glad that they did it, but I don't know. I just I gotta go with the B minus. So what's your favorite song on this one? I'm gonna go with Eddie. Nice. Because nice. I just like that callback to a classic star, and it just was an inspired song, clearly, and uh, just one I felt fired on all cylinders for me. But handfuls a close second for me too. Heard that for me, fake as fuck. I really love it. Okay. I like the way it's done. I, I really enjoyed the horns. Um, it was the most unique track for me on this album, as far as seeing them do something evolved. I enjoyed that one. All righty. Well, there we have it to end this year off. Return of the Dream Canteen. Yes. And uh, start the new year, we're actually going to be taking it way back. Oh, yeah. Because uh, like we did for your birth month when we started the podcast, we're going to be doing the year I was born as an album inspiration month for us. So I was born in 1997. So we'll be covering albums released that year for January. Uh, there will be a week break because this episode took a bit longer than usual for us to record because of unforeseen circumstances. So we're going to take some time, enjoy the new year, and uh, then we will be back. And we're actually going to be covering our first ever live album on this podcast with my pick for my birth year. We will be discussing Fleetwood Mac's The Dance. Yeah, buddy. I'm excited for it, and it is definitely in honor of the great Christine McVie, who sadly has been gone for a month now. world definitely isn't the same without her in it, but I'm excited to pay tribute to her and use this album to do it. And really, all of Fleetwood Mac, there's a lot of good stuff here. And always fun to discuss the Mac, if you ask me. Always fun. And, and, you know, as we pay tribute to that, I'd also like to take a second to just pay tribute to everybody who's listened throughout this year. It's been such a wild ride. I'd like to say thank you to you, Charlie. Um, you inspire me to to get down here and do this with you. It's been so much fun. Uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't even imagine not doing this all year. So I just wanted to say thank you and hope everybody's going to have a happy new year. And we'll, we'll see you on the flip side there. But thank you so much. Yes, thank you all for your support. It's been a great first year. This is our 30th episode, which is incredible that we've done (laughs) this many already, but I'm so glad that we have, and we've got a lot of good stuff coming up, and I'm very much looking forward to 
what we have in the future and hope that you all keep on listening and subscribe wherever you're listening and follow on Facebook and Instagram at Turntables and Tea Podcast because that's how you're going to find out what's going on starting with the dance. And I can't wait for it. So happy new year to you all and we will see you on the flip side. Peace.